0: You're listening to Version Control, Pounding Reign's digital news podcast. Experimental filmmaker, futurist, entrepreneur, former co founder, CCO, and head of innovation at Secret Location, and the current founder of Transitional Forms, he's won multiple Emmy, Webby, and Canadian Screen Awards. And to top it all off, he's one of the nicest folks you'll ever meet. It's an incredible list of titles for one of the most unique and decorated creative professionals that we've ever met. Version Control presents, The Hot Seat, featuring Pietro Gagliano.
1: From a creative standpoint, like Mm. trying to craft that story, mm-hmm. and that message, and those shots in the shortest, tightest format, mm, that's like, yeah. I don't I know if I've cracked
0: that code. Very few people do, actually.
2: It's very difficult.
1: Yeah, I guess. That's <laughs> <cool. There's>, yeah. <laughs> Did, the Yeah. Is the that where cool you winners. started, too, in, in short filmmaking? Um, I guess uh, when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. but but I, I, I kind of when the internet came out I kind of dove deep into web design. And, yeah, and graphic design um, and left filmmaking until I uh, Joined just before I joined secret location. I started to uh, dabble in uh, motion motionography and then uh, I was I was wanting to make interactive music videos Yeah, uh, that was my thing and then uh, met James and he wanted to do um uh, interactive entertainment and I'm like okay yeah f- filmmaking sure let's do it yeah um, so that's when I dove back in
2: Well, because yeah I remember when we first met like that was we we were kind of working with you guys on like the sort of the branding commercial side of it but then when you kind of like opened our eyes to be like well this is the other stuff you can do on the internet and, right yeah. like you guys were showing us like the big brother stuff you were doing at the time which was incredible oh yeah um and what was the other one that just like Blew me away. Oh, it was the um, the the ROM AR thing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good one.
2: Yeah, uh, I remember doing like like Andy took me there to kind of do it, and I was like, this is this is bonkers. Like yeah. what, what you're able to do with these things now. So. Because like when we were looking when we were working with you guys, we were like, let's just make a cool
1: website, and it's like it just goes so far beyond that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of a, a bit of a trend hunting at the same time, yeah. where you're like, what's novel, what's cool, what, what produces the most amount of magic yeah. uh, to the to the user or consumer. But um, but then that's like the the creative uh, juices flow at that point too. Yeah. And I'm, Nick and I are always
2: talking. Like he's like, oh, it's so hard to get stuff made, but it's like it doesn't have to be like. A film. It could be anything. We were talking about video games the other day. Yeah. Like you can, a good story can make its way into any medium, it, which exactly. is exactly kind of what we wanted to chat with you about today, yeah. right? It's all storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Is that kind of where your background lies too? Like. Other you know, than, and design,
1: like? Design for sure. Like I have an education in design, but, and, uh, and more of a background in like fine art when I was a kid, mm. uh, like just general creativity. Sculpting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like I took, I took, a, um, one of the best years of school in, in my life was my first year of college where I just took a general arts course and got to do sculpting and, yeah and, uh, and design and painting and drawing. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, fine arts background, uh, but then storytelling is just something that I'm really just diving in deeper and deeper and deeper now. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. And I was trying to avoid it at first cause it sto- everybody's a storyteller now and the amount of resumes that would come to my desk, and mm. be storyteller. I'm like, yeah. I can Bullshit. imagine. <laughs> Tell me a story. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: what, what type of stories resonate with you in that case?
1: I'm obsessed with the systems of storytelling. So, um, if a story resonates, I want to dissect it and find out why, and like what the what the structure is, what the patterns are, and then uh, and then just dis- yeah, sort of reverse engineer it and figure out why it resonates. So it to me, it doesn't really matter um, if it resonates or not. It's how it resonates. And uh, I love that shit.
2: What was the first one that you watched, and you're like, "This is cool from an audience perspective," but I want to dive way deeper into this. There's 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 a story to this story.
1: Um, I'm sure there were many as a kid, again, short films was a was a medium that I just loved. My dad would bring home like National Film Board uh, shorts or like, um, you know, the, they would release Oscar award winning short animations on VHS and he'd bring those home from the library. He was a teacher. And so I would just, I would love watching those because it taught me about wit and pacing and structure and storytelling uh, unknowingly. Um, so there's there's probably a couple of them that that I could rhyme rhyme off. but um I was really uh, as a design student, I loved uh Stefan Sagmeister's work um, and uh, Michelle Gondry's work mm-hmm. because you could see the process uh, in the story that they're telling, even if it's a poster. you could see the process. In the final piece, and mm-hmm. I, I just I, I love seeing the backstory to things uh, in in the final product. Yeah, so that
2: obviously made its way into you kind of going into design as a profession at some point. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah. well, and you know, I was an, I wanted to be an artist growing up, and then uh, I don't know if I just like listened to Society too much, but it was like, how are you gonna make any money being an artist? Uh, I had a Sicilian grandfather that was always like, no, look, your dad's an artist and look at him. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, m- both my parents were teachers uh, for the record, but I-, I wanted to be an artist. And then I just um, really saw graphic design and the birth of the internet was like huge at that point. And uh, just dove, part of me dove headfirst into design and uh, branding and and interface and stuff like that.
2: But that, um, so talk, can you talk to me a little bit about like that switch from sort of design to more experimental filmmaking
1: and like you mentioned it before, like interactive filmmaking? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess in college I was, uh... I was obviously following the curriculum to the, my best ability, but I got I got so um, tired of the print stuff and I became a bit of a, an, asshole, an asshole student where I was like, I'm not doing a poster, I'm doing a video, fine, fail me. And I just like stopped looking at my marks. And uh, so um, I guess I made the transition through a frustration in college because we were very print-based. We, we had digital media courses, but there were a few of them. And so I didn't see that as the future of design. I wanted things to move and I wanted things to be interactive. And so that's where I started really leaning in, uh, into that, not just out of my own passion, but out of like spite (laughs) for the old way. It's Um, good though. It's
2: got like the kind of like lights a fire in you for some reason. Yeah. 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 I think we all kind of have that experience at some point too, because like you, you learn about things and you're taught a particular way and whether it's like your age or that stage in your life or that sort of rebellious nature just kicks in. Yeah. But you know, on one hand, sure it's rebellious and you, you're sometimes a little bit of a jerk, but at the same time it lights that fire and, and you do things during that period of your life that, It's the only time in your life that you're going to be able to do them and you just kind of do them with like reckless abandon and it's super fun. It's when
1: when you're that age, especially that's the speaking of storytelling archetypes, that's the crossing over moment in your like crossing into adulthood and you're like, you're willing to take risks and you're willing to figure out who you are to return to your tribe and, and, uh, you know, and contribute to society in that way. And, uh, yeah, I love, I love looking back at that moment and thinking about it that way.
2: So from like your that from a structured story st- storytelling standpoint, like that makes a lot of sense. But you were venturing into at the time like into interactive storytelling. Mm-hmm. So like how how does that work in your head? Like in, like now we see how that works from like things like Bandersnatch and video games and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But way before that, when like how did you when you were in school, you know, sticking it to the posters and be like not doing this? I want to do interactive storytelling.
1: Um, that's a great question. I, I think that uh, storytelling was interactive for thousands and thousands of years. And then, you know, uh, this is, this is a great invention, but things like the printing press come and mass communication comes and then storytelling is one way, right? and, And not just one way, static one way, but one way communication. There's a, there's a, um, you know, an author speaking to you and no interaction. But before that, storytellers would sit around the fire, they'd be, they'd be preaching, they'd be singing, right? And there'd be an interaction with the audience uh, and, and the story could flex and evolve from there. Um, so when, when I think about interactive storytelling and when I started getting into it, um, I think it was just with the birth of the media that allowed for it. So you have these hundreds of years then from the printing press till, you know, just decades ago, where a story had to be linear if it was, uh, if it was consumed en masse. Um, but then the birth of the internet, even DVD menus, it was like, wow, this can be, you can branch the narrative now. Um, and, but it was still only part way you could, you could only direct those branching narratives so far now with the advancements of like, you know, artificial intelligence and game engines and, you know, this huge amounts of data, the story can branch on its own and it's like a whole new world.
2: Well, like the transition time, um, very easily transitioned to what, what is transitional forms?
1: Transition to transitional forms, (laughs) that's good, Um, a punny transition. Um, I I, I wanted to start a new company um, after my time at Secret Location uh, to really explore the idea that content uh, creation and either the tools or the platforms that the content lives on could go hand in hand as one creative expression. Um, because too often, and, and it's, a, it's, it's easier said than done, and I'm, I might just be uniquely suited for trying that, um, but I, I feel like being able to make tools that push the content forward, and then being able to make amazing content that proves the use of those tools is this amazing combination. Uh, I guess I've been inspired by technology and, and creativity my whole life, that, that relationship. And so, transitional forms is a studio lab that's trying to uh, create content and platforms at the same time uh, to use AI to invent the future of entertainment. That's incredible.
0: How do you that feel that gen- <laughs> how, how do you feel that m- most people are? Um, do you feel that most people are receptive to that concept when you tell it to them, or are they intimidated by it? Like, what's <clears throat> uh, what's the general reaction?
1: From a business point, it's, uh, it's a tough one because the world sort of, I don't blame the world. Um, <laughs> I, and I don't know when this happened, maybe it was like Henry Ford or something, but there's, there's this huge separation of, of science and art, right? So technologists, you know, there are creative technologists, uh, don't get me wrong, but it's like, what, what are you? Uh, Are you an artist or a designer? Great, go sit over there. Are you a technologist? Good, sit over there. And let me, as the producer, (laughs) tell you how these two worlds mix. Um, And you see that in in companies, you see that in in the way corporations uh, 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 specialize in things. So it's an uphill battle to bring those two worlds back together. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. I think it's happening now more than ever where we're starting to see the value of creativity in technology and and vice versa. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting time.
2: So what would be an example of a tool uh, that you guys are either working on or something that inspired sort of the creation of the of the company that kind of put it into context for people?
1: Sure. So uh, one of the projects that we're um, uh, working on right now, we're going into production in about a month, with, is with the National Film Board. And it's a, a short film that's really uh, close to my heart um, where... Uh, it was a concept that I, I invented um, as a result of some inspiration from short films that I watched as a kid, uh, ironically enough. Um, but I, uh, I love this idea that um, a user can enter a film, and it's not a video game, it's a film, and influence that film in a way where the film then tries to figure out the best story from that moment. So not forcing interactivity, not forcing pathways, just throw someone in have them explore and have uh, a neural network behind the scenes going, okay, I'm gonna pull the state of this world right now and I'm gonna move it in this direction to tell the best story. Um, So basically we're using artificial intelligence to try to, uh, we're trying to teach uh, some form of AI to understand the structure of story and throw you the user into a VR film and, and see what happens.
0: So, are the potential constructs created on the fly or in advance?
1: Uh, sort of both. So, there's mm-hmm. like constructs that are created in advance um, because uh, because what I found through doing this research is that there is a universal story structure, um, especially in the you know modern Western civilization, mm-hmm. um, and it, there there are many structures. But you know, if we go back to what Joseph Campbell was saying about Hero's Journey, that's essentially it. And it's been boiled down a little bit more since then. But um, So that structure is in place to say, here are some possibilities within this uh, quadrant of the, the Hero's Journey. Um, but what, what we're going to try to do in production is to branch those even further to, to say, if, if these are the possibilities. Can the AI figure out even more? Can it predict more possibilities or can it sew them together in ways that we didn't imagine? Um, not sure if that's possible yet, to be honest, but we're about to find out.
2: But I think that's cool that you're trying, right? Yeah. Thank like- you. Yeah. Um, so I guess my next question is, is a weird one, but um, just the mentioning of artificial intelligence within the creative field gets a lot of people a little uncomfortable. So I, maybe just to kind of set the record straight, like, how, what's your feeling on artificial intelligence in this in this particular type of industry?
1: Well, I mean, if I put my futurist hat on, it's uh, it's about predicting the past in order to understand what's what's coming. And that's easier said than done but if we take a look at the art movements in the past um, the artists in that movement god bless them might be painters right and so they've they've practiced their craft they can paint a beautiful portrait and it's perfect and then the camera comes along and the camera is rudimentary and it's clunky and it takes a fuzzy picture and the artists at that time go wait a second that's not art you're just pushing a button you're letting the machine do it now we would never see photography as not art and filmmaking and, and all of these things. Right? So there's going to be this conflict between the art world and the creative world and something like artificial intelligence, because that machine learning is going to be the next paradigm shift in creativity. It's going to change what creativity is. So there's going to be that tension there, but I believe that the true artists now are the ones embracing that change. Like, like art, like art, art art, like artists do in any art movement mm-hmm. and that we're going to look back and go of course machines can be in, uh, intelligent machines can be creative like it, why did we think any other way
0: but will the human artist and the machine like coexist or is it one or the other
1: I, I think they'll coexist for a while and then it becomes unclear um and create human creativity will take on a new form it'll it'll have to create take on a new form because You know, this is might be controversial of me to say, but I I do believe that machines will be more creative by our and I'm doing air quotes right now (laughs) more creative by our standards today than humans will be because they'll understand the systems behind it better than better than we do. Um, But that's not to say that human creativity will die. It'll just have to change. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we're plugging ourselves into these you know dream machines to be infinitely creative. Um, who's the one being creative? Is it the the human or the machine? I, I don't know.
2: I think a lot of it too is going to come down to like creativity is essentially enjoyed by humans. So a lot of it I think is going to come down to what is being enjoyed and what can be taught and what we can learn from the past that will influence what we're going to be enjoying in the future Mm -hmm. Um, I mean like you were talking about earlier like art was not was art is something that you know people are affected by emotionally once we understand what those emotions are we're forced to evolve beyond that to Mm -hmm. say what's another emotion that we can tap into Um, so I mean I'm I'm right with you in that at some point um, AI is going to kind of take the majority of quote unquote creativity as we know it today Mm -hmm. but it, it like most human nature, I think it'll force us into a space where we're just going to have to think harder, be even more creative, which
1: is kind of a fun thing. Yeah. And, and, and those new tools will allow us to do that because oftentimes we think of creativity as a job and just like, you know, the rise of artificial intelligence is the fear of people losing their jobs. So a film editor goes, well, a machine, you know, you get your backup right away. A machine could never edit a film better than me or, or write an article better than me. Well, it, it will it really will. So what are we going to do to your point, Scott? Like we have to now realize that these tools exist and will that push our creativity further? I, I think it will. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it, and it also kind of opens the door to different types of interpretation of what creativity is. Yeah. Right. I feel like we're going really philosophical, but like, uh, like, Right now, we look at it as like, it's storytelling, it's art, it's colors, it's all these things. But when, once we're forced to a point where we're not able to look at those elements as creative, mm-hmm. what can we come up with? And that's kind of exciting.
0: That's what I, I I think the same, and I'm just like guessing here, but the machine doesn't sound like we'll have the capacity for abstract, mm-hmm. which is where the difference will come in. Because like you said, the machine is so based on prior learning and extrapolating from that. And humans do that as well, but also have the ability to go come you know, just throw a complete Mm curveball at what they're doing creatively.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the process, right? It's like, okay, give me some random input and I'm going to pull an idea from it. Um, but that's not to say that machines won't be able to do that. Um, I think that the, um, advancements in machine learning to date have been, you know, when I say left and right brain, I know that's pop psychology and, but it's a, it's a way of, of describing what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, where there's a very, um, Left-brained thinking going into the ones and zeros that drive artificial intelligence, but then there's this untapped side of saying machines need to be emotional in order for humans to survive the technological singularity. Um, They need to be intuitive. They need to understand. I believe they need to understand storytelling, and they need to be able to think abstractly. And it's a, it's a, you know, that might be a 10, 20 year mission, but that's, that's what I'm trying to bring to that field is, is this, uh, this idea of imagination.
0: So who has input the, the short story, like the original concept for the story was created by you or a human, I suppose. And then the machine is working from that,
1: uh, for the film that I'm yeah. making. Yeah. Y- yeah. So it's, I'm calling it a three-way authorship. So there's me, the director who's, you know, writing and, and creating the, Basically, setting the stage for the film um, and uh, setting, you know, working with my team to set the parameters and, and whatnot for the best results. Uh, the second author is the user who comes in, and I don't control what the user does, and, and nor do I want to. Um, often, interactive storytelling is very on rails, and you get the, the, the moment to choose between path A or path B. Um, my experiment is to take those rails off and see what happens. And if it doesn't crash, then the uh, third author would be the machine itself to, uh, to then react to whatever the user's doing. So as a director now, I'm only playing a smaller role in the actual, whatever, whatever experience you are having as a user. Um, I just want to set the stage and then hopefully walk away, uh, and, and, and be able to produce something that's uh, meaningful, uh, to everybody. Kind of, it feels like Westworld <laughs>
2: where you're, totally you're creating uh, like an environment mm-hmm. and there the parameters in that environment are going to be determined by those who are experiencing it. And with it, the parameters are going to learn from that and essentially continue that experience going forward. Yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier that it was about um, creating elements of the story that are going to make it better for that particular user that's in there. Mm-hmm. Is, what is better? Just to, as a general statement, is that something that, that you think is sort of continues the story from a linear standpoint or is that surprises or is that um, like because I know people have different preferences on what they they feel uh, a good story
1: is? I think it all depends on the, the constructs, the, the sandbox that you're letting the user play in. Um, so without going through all kinds of examples, um, the, the film that I'm making right now, the sandbox is to ask the question. It's, it's kind of a meta narrative is, I want it to loop onto itself and literally I want the film to loop onto itself. (laughs) Um, but, uh, the meta narrative is, uh, the the narrative is if you, um, were to create virtual worlds with intelligent life, should you play God or would you play God? Um, yes. Sorry. <laughs> and, and that, that's the, that's the answer, right? Yes. This is my chance to play God. And we are gods to these, these beings yeah. right now. Um, and I know that they're ones and zeros, but I'm trying to create this empathy for the machine, uh, for, uh, for uh, long-term purposes. Um, but by the end of the experience, uh, by playing in that sandbox, I want the user slash viewer to walk away saying, should we play God? Just because we can, should we? Which mm-hmm. is kind of the umbrella of science fiction, right? Like
0: and or creativity
1: and or creativity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that's the that's the premise of this film that I'm hoping will um, will. Hit, and it's my job to make that hit, no matter what permutation of the film happens. Uh, Yeah, which is much easier said than done. It's (laughs) going to be really tough.
2: So when it's all said and done, like how can people get out there and actually experience this?
1: Sure. Uh, It'll be on. uh, So the target is to release it on. VR platforms. So uh, it'll be up on Steam and in the Oculus store. Uh, We're hoping to release it on uh, Oculus Go, Um, just do a wide, wide range of um, VR release. And then uh, if we can, we're going to port it to. uh, some uh, like a, a mobile mobile device, like iPad or something like that, or uh, allow it to be uh, downloaded from just a PC. Um, but but the the concept, and I know the VR market is is not struggling, but it's still in its uh, nascence right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really believe that that idea of being there with intelligent creatures is a is is a huge part of the 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 concept is a Mm -hmm. huge part of the film and i think that that kind of liminality so to speak is is going to be important to empathizing with machines in the future so we'll put it out on vr and see what happens and uh hopefully uh hopefully we'll be making many more that's cool
0: i see i know you're so like you're so passionate and engaged when you're talking about this stuff so i already kind of know the answer but i still just have to ask were traditional films just like too easy for you like why not just make one of those
1: oh man I I don't know I I, you know I did when I was little like I had a video camera and and but but I always wanted to reach outside of that so just because I had a video camera I'm like well what if I film it and then I play it backwards through the VCR and then what if I film the screen and what if I use these markers and these you know this plasticine and I got I got Mario paint when I was a kid so that changed everything because I could do like titles and animations so it was like I was very much interested in traditional filmmaking but then I had this um, desire to combo it with other things Um, and I would love to make a linear film like a traditional film but maybe that's for maybe that's for uh, later on in my life.
2: Yes. Uh, you're, you're in a bit particularly different stage in your life. Now we kind of went through like what it was like when you were younger and going through school and what it was like for you when you built that company and now you're doing um, transitional forms. Um, but now you're a double dad. You're a dad of two. How has that kind of like changed how you look at technology, how you look at storytelling? Because I I don't have children, but I can only assume that that it makes you it forces you to, to think completely differently.
1: Oh man. Yeah. You know, if I start crying during this guys, don't edit it out. <laughs> this is real. Um, but becoming a dad at this time in, uh, in my career and in this time in the world is just profoundly, um, it's an incredible moment and, uh, I, I still struggle with it, but it was like, um, You know, right away you start worrying about the future more. And I worry about the future all the time. (laughs) So it's like now you've got two kids and you worry about the future like constantly mm-hmm. so and that has many branches but um but the kids also teach you about how uh humans learn mm-hmm. and and when i watch them learn i think about how we're creating artificial intelligence and and potentially super intelligence right now and if this these you know and i'm personifying it like crazy so if there's any you know engineers listening they'll be like that's not how it works but <laughs> um but i i uh i think that we need to, uh, nurture that, that intelligence, especially if it's going to become infinitely more smart than we are infinitely smarter, more smart. Yeah.
0: We have to ingratiate ourselves now. So it doesn't, so so it likes us.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And it's like nurturing a baby. So when I see my kids and you know, I'm responsible for teaching them, if they grow up to be, you know, terrible people like shit, that's kind of on, on me. Um, so. So that that's kind of the world that we're living in right now, as it as it uh, compares to technology. So definitely, fatherhood has uh, and and creativity too. Mm-hmm. Like watching them be creative, listening to the stories they tell, watching the drawings they make. Oh, uh, it's 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 amazing.
2: Scott, should we ask the marketing question? Yeah, we should ask the marketing we, question. We've
0: got a we've got a devil's advocate question here yeah. for you. Mm. So the transitional forums technology, the AI assisted storytelling, mm-hmm. is there an in for marketing and or branding and or advertising in any way within that technology that you can envision?
1: Yes, absolutely. I don't think that that's my uh, personal focus, but if if you know, you guys would know more about this than I do about the current state of marketing. But I think it's it's now it's about saying how. Um, figuring out the trajectory of how data is changing marketing right how, how ads are delivered mm-hmm. to people how they're how they're constructed for people and the data is going to increase and the intelligence around that data is going to increase so we can traject we, we can figure out the trajectory of where that's going um and you know that might be why storytelling is becoming so popular right now because we don't want cookie cutter experiences we want The story of these ads to be crafted to the individual Mm -hmm. and um, you know maybe I would enjoy uh, yeah I I don't want to say maybe I would enjoy ads more than I do because I'm kind of starting to enjoy ads uh, for the first time and I don't like the idea of being served an ad Mm -hmm. but um, when I give it in exchange of the service that I'm getting sure um, but the, as ads become more, uh, personalized, I think that there's so much more that we can do with them and so much more value that people will get from them. So for sure, for, for sure, there's a relationship there.
2: I think it harkens back to what we were talking about earlier, where it forces people to think a little bit differently. One of the big trends or switches in advertising is it's now very, very much a two way street. If not, the street has completely turned itself around where advertising before was, well, I'm a brand, and I'm going to make you look at this for any particular reason, mm-hmm. um, for any you know, for all of you particular people. Whereas now, with things like streaming, um, it's all up to the user. Mm-hmm. So now, instead of a brand forcing themselves into things that you into entertainment devices that you're forced to look at, they're looking for ways to kind of become part of the experience. Yes. Which is a a roundabout way of of trying to connect it back to transitional forms. Not that you're serving ads in any form (laughs) whatsoever, but I think it does make sense from a trend standpoint where people who are looking to be entertained are also looking to be involved. Mm -hmm. Um, It's no longer... uh, I mean, for... For to a point, I would say, like I still love going to the movies um, and, and and like watching television and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm very much enjoying what's happening online in terms of um, consumer interaction and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Crafting that particular narrative that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just I, I totally agree. <laughs> I think that it's gonna the, the future of advertising and entertainment and and. Uh, we're about to enter a paradigm shift and it's going to change not just you know what people do for their jobs but how people interact with each other and what they do in their spare time um and uh yeah it's going to be it's it's the most exciting thing i think that we could be witnessing
0: totally and i think that you know it might not be your focus right now but if your latest experiment in storytelling takes off then you're going to have people banging down your door uh marketers trying to get in there so
1: oh boy <laughs> yeah you can just
0: wait for that in fact uh, off the record you could put it away that ontario arts council grant and just approach apple and say hey or coca-cola or nike and say hey look this, at this story take, that take i can make for you hands. yeah <laughs> uh,
1: um well you know truth be told uh, you know like on the record i i struggle with um the idea of starting a company and having it uh a uh, Become uh, you know to to feed the beast and I'm I'm I I will do it I can do it and uh, it'd be a it'd be a nice situation if that was the case but uh, I know that deep down I personally am the happiest in a lab Mm. figuring out tinkering what that new thing is making the content that proves the tool should exist and then at that point I'm bored with it it's like now there's value in the tool there's value in the content but I will always want to go back and do that again and again um, so yeah, if, uh, if if we get to that point, I'll, I'll, I'll accept maybe ten resumes and pass it off to somebody else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the world will do with it as the as as the world will once it happens. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. It's like you you want to create the airplane. If someone wants to you know drop bombs from it at some point, then you can't really stop that. Yeah, that's a yeah. bad analogy.
1: Well, but, <laughs> wow, but it got dark there for a second. No, yeah, we? <laughs> well, I
0: meant it more like if people will purpose it how they purpose it.
1: Well, yes. we should we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, not be afraid of getting dark there. Because that's the that's kind of the role of science fiction in our, our lives where, mm-hmm. where we where it's constantly saying if just because we can do something should we and what are the consequences mm-hmm. um, so with any invention with with even fire it can keep you warm or it can burn your house down and that's just the story of technology so mm-hmm. um, I, I don't shy away from from that dark side I think it's important to talk about
0: does someone who's studied the structure of storytelling to such great depths what is one movie that we should watch that you think just nails it
1: I'd rather give you guys the formula to look for and then let let the let the viewer decide um, because it's it's really it's really hard to say because uh, uh, t- to me it doesn't matter what I'm watching even if it's a reality TV show mm-hmm. if it's doing it right follows the formula if it's not doing it right I, I switch it mm-hmm. <laughs> I change the channel um, uh, so uh, it's it's that it's that circle of uh, of discovery and uh, and realization where you know the main character, if it's the viewer or or, or a character in the film, um, is is comfortable, uh, leaves their place of comfort uh, to cross the threshold because they, they want something they need something. Um, they encounter people along the way, friends, allies, uh, you know the sage, and then they lose them they're they're alone they're It's the darkest place they can't get what they want, and then there's a realization that what they want is different what what they actually need is different than what they wanted. So it's that moment where oh wow, it was in my pocket all along, or if only I did it backwards or it's it's in my heart That's, <laughs> it was always in my heart. Uh, the truth or no. What is it? The Schwartz is in you, Lone Star. It's in you. So there you have it. It's yeah, spaceballs, guys. Space
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's essentially, spaceballs. It's also yeah. Children of Men, by the way. As yeah. you were saying that, I was right. like, "That's so Children so of Men." Yeah.
1: So, so just pick your favorite film and mm. see if it follows that that uh, that construct. And then at the end, the, the hero, you know, he or she returns home with this new new perspective on the world that they they realize they can't control things the way they thought they could, and uh, yeah, they they come home uh, hopefully happy everyone lives happily ever after.
0: Totally. And, and there you have it. Your three heroes have concluded this podcast journey. <laughs> Thanks for
1: inviting me, back. This yeah. is super fun. Thanks yeah. so much.
0: Thanks for listening to Version Control, The Hot Seat, featuring Pietro Gagliano. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on iTunes.